Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Anglers Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk about transitioning from fishing dirty to clear water, bass biting and spitting your bait out before you ever feel it, and we go in depth on our recent experiences at the U.S. Open. Hope you all enjoy. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, we apologize deeply for missing the episode last week. We're proud that we recorded 50 episodes over the past year, but uh, we did miss last week. I was at the U.S. Open, and uh, we just all had a lot going on. So uh, we're sorry, but hey, we're back. We don't plan on missing another week anytime soon. And uh, let's go around the go around the. Uh, I was going to say table, but let's go around the uh, computer screen and talk. <laughs> to the guys what's going on rob what, what are you up to this week man uh just remodeling i think the reason we missed last week was probably more my fault than than anyone's you guys were both down to do it um i just barely uh, though huh barely though i no, know not but barely I just, dude i'm <laughs> Nick was I'm, ready. I'm literally living in a construction zone and i just didn't have stuff set up so um i finally completed our office um so th- I'm in the one finished room in the house with the exception of we haven't got our desk yet, which is coming next week. Uh, so we'll get that all set up and complete it. It's nice to have one room done. Right. So, but everything else, dude, it's just a, it's a complete like dust everywhere, chipping up tile and thin set and just, yeah, it's pretty brutal. So, and what's great is my wife, like, gets right in the middle of it it's pretty cool so go ahead josh oh and she gets she oh that's good that she helps and and gets involved that's super cool yeah. man yeah. i was gonna ask what your office looks like you have like bison heads and all kinds of uh no uh, so european animal mounts and stuff like that in there a bearskin rug no so it's <laughs> it's pretty basic what i mean by completed is the doors are painted the walls are painted the floor has brand new carpet in that we left. So when we purchased a the house, they had changed all the carpet. So um, it's not a huge accomplishment having this done yet. Um, so in this house, like switching houses, like I made a deal with my wife. I said, all of our deer heads and elk mounts are going in the great room. So I, I have like a big no kidding. Yes. Yeah, so I'm you, like... Man. I'm going to build a fireplace, um, for my elk, uh, and we've got a wall for all our coos deer. And, uh, so Rob, pretty- I think, I think the next thing you should do is write an ebook that people can download on how to select wives who are like <laughs> down to do construction, let you put your trophies anywhere other than like a storage unit or inside the garage. Like uh, you, you go you fishing anytime you want. Yeah. I oh just, my I, gosh. I'm very fortunate that she is uh, the way she is. So I feel bad though, dude. Like, so we're having to dump all the tile that we're chipping up and it's coming up in just like small chunks, right? It so instead does. of picking up entire tiles and taking them to the dump or whatever, we're taking them to a dumpster. We're fortunate we have a dumpster at my wife's work that we're dumping everything. Nice. Um, but we have to take them in five gallon buckets. So I have like 35 uh, Home Depot buckets that I fill up with tile. And I have to tell her, I'm like, just leave the buckets. I'll carry the buckets out. Because she keeps trying to carry the darn buckets out. I'm like, yeah, she's going to hurt her back. So anyhow, it's uh, it's a daunting process. We've got probably another 400 square foot of tile that needs to come up. Uh, we're going to do that this afternoon. And uh, when that's done, it's going to be it's going to be a lot better, but 
Uh, other than that, um, I'm looking forward to this week, uh, Thursday, Josh and I are going fishing to do a little pre-fishing for, uh, uh, Larry Hardy's Memorial tournament on Sunday, which, um, just, it's, it's, it's a bummer that we lost Larry. Um, just a mentor to me, um, in my fishing when I was super young and throughout, I mean, up until, I mean, a few months ago, I used to go up and stay at his place when I was guiding and just, uh, Larry means a ton to, to me. And I know he means a ton to Josh also, which, which is crazy. Cause like he was my mentor. I met him when I was 18 years old. Um, I'm almost 50, I'm 49 years old and should Josh, you probably met him when you were 18 years old. Old oh, yeah, also, right? Younger dude, like probably yeah. uh, sixteen is yeah, when I so, met Larry. Yep. So like he's a you know a big part in your young years of fishing and a huge part in my my younger years of fishing and uh, uh, he'll be greatly missed and I'm sure this tournament will will do him justice as far as uh, memoring you know memoring him. <laughs> I can't even talk. I'm remembering like, him. I got remembering you, him. Yeah. Gosh, goodness. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Anyhow, <laughs> I gotta do something. I mean, yeah. So well, let's dedicate no, this right. episode to him, man. I don't have Absolutely. as lovingly. I, I mean, I have a great, I only have one great memory of him, but when I uh, got into the, the Arizona Bass Federation, uh, I drew him as the, cause I fished as a co-angler obviously in the beginning. And uh, yeah, he's great. I always laugh cause he would say he was going to drink a sandwich and eat a pop. <laughs> <laughs> he's just as silly as they come, dude. That's hilarious. That's yeah, perfect. It's a good joke. And he just rides it, right? Like you just, you just keep it going. <laughs> oh yeah, you should have heard him pronouncing uh, the different name uh, Robo Worms, dude. You know that's what he would always oh, yeah. fish, and uh, he would, I think he would do it on purpose. He would it's always, it. he completely botch the names of these colors, you know, because the colors are crazy. And uh, I, I swear he did it on purpose. But what a guy, dude! I, I was lucky to fish with him a bunch of times, and. Uh, yeah, just spend a ton of time with him. I worked with him, dude. I, I I spent so much time with Larry. He was a huge influence for me. And um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's sad. It's really sad. But I think it's gonna be fun on Saturday because uh, after the event, they're gonna kind of let Sunday, um, isn't it? Or Sunday. Yep, yep. Yep. They're gonna they're gonna let guys take the mic and tell stories about Larry and stuff. And uh, I am looking forward to that because they're gonna be some good ones, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, Hilarious. people like that are always sorely missed, right? It's kind of kind of cool in life when you pass on. <clears throat> Doesn't matter if you have a ton of money or a ton of material things. Really, what you have is you know the people you left behind that you had an influence on, and that's pretty much the largest legacy you can have. And Larry had a big one. Yeah, for sure. Well said, dude. Yeah. How about how about you, Nick? What's going on your way, man? Yeah, well, as you can see from my Skype background, I'm currently <laughs> on a spaceship. We uh, got rid of the motorhome and we're we're leaving the Milky Way galaxy. We're we're thinking Andromeda is the next stop. <laughs> I almost got Mark, uh, Rob bit his coffee out. That would have been pretty good. I, yeah, that was close. Count <laughs> that as a win if I could see some. Rob's still at a bistro somewhere in like a dystopian future, but he just about spewed coffee all over it. Only but because I can't change it. Yeah, that's the best part. I wish I would have picked something way less. Oh, flatter. dude, yeah, you should. It, Rob is very vulnerable, dude. Like uh, I, I've I've said this on this podcast. I don't think I've said it on my po- on this podcast, but I'm just as bad as Rob. And my brother had set up my Wi-Fi password in my uh, previous neighborhood before this, and uh, you know the name, the network name of the podcast of of my Wi-Fi. I won't even say it on the podcast, but it was extremely inappropriate. And uh, I lived in a very tame neighborhood. 
And uh, I'm sure everyone <laughs> thought I was a complete psycho Perfect. freak, thanks to uh, Tom on that one. So I'm glad I've I've moved on from that. I've that reminds me of that reminds me of our youngest daughter. She was having some kind of something going on with her computer, and our her grandfather's like a guru with that stuff, and um, she asked him to help her with it. She's he's working on. It. He goes, so what's your password? And she's like. <laughs> It was, it was not appropriate. <laughs> go ahead and hand me the keyboard back real quick. I'll go ahead and type it in. So funny. It's I wish I would have picked like a, a men's locker room behind you, Rob, or something like that, like a sauna room or That's something. That's what you need, dude, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have anything as heartwarming or as exciting as home remodeling going on the last two weeks. We, uh, you know, we're, we're, we survived another fall break. Thankfully, it was big tease. Kids went back to school for like two weeks, and then they're back home again. So it was kind of like deja vu all over again, as Yogi Berra would say. Yeah, lucky for them, right? Wouldn't this be a great year to be like a school-age kid? Like, oh, I don't ever have to go to school. And I feel like no one has taken online school seriously. So they, the grades are kind of just like, well, it's like a participation ribbon. You know, it's just crazy year. But uh, yeah, man, I... Uh, um, been really enjoying the political season we're living in. My phone rings about every seven seconds, nice. and I'm I'm learning these really important nuggets about candidates and like who does backdoor deals with China, who lies. I mean, it, it's this is every election <laughs> cycle is ridiculous, but this one is just I am so ready for it to be over. Oh my God! Do you guys get those political calls? I do not. Fortunately, I don't know how I'm not I'm getting them. And also, we have no cable at the house here. We have Wi-Fi, so we watch Netflix, and that's it. I haven't watched the news in three weeks, three and a half weeks, and I'm that's loving good. it. Yeah. yeah, that's good, man. The news are pretty much worthless right now. I yeah. actually can't see the worthless, but they're brutal. Uh, yeah. Saturday Night Live hasn't had anything funny for like a decade, probably. But last night, just randomly, I I turned it on, and uh, so you know how they did those. Trump had a town hall, and then Biden had a town hall because they had their like disagreement about the debate. And and I will say, like, it's worth looking it up on YouTube. I'm sure they have that clip there now. It was it was spot on hilarious, man. Like Biden turns into Mr. Rogers and he like puts his little red sweater on and they're like singing because it was like such a friendly. He was on ABC or something. So it was like super liberal. Right. So they're all like holding hands and like supporting oh, each geez. other. And then, dude, the was Trump one turned into a wrestling <laughs> match where the lady has like a chair. And she's like hitting him over the head and like. It was it was That's funny perfect. and so accurate, man. I the shenanigans, I tell you. Was Jim Carrey Biden? Because I yeah. saw Jim Carrey. Did you see a, that? Yeah, dude, Jim Carrey. Anything with him, I will take the time to see. Dude, then he turns into a um, who's the guy who paints happy trees? Um, you know who I'm talking about? It's the white guy with the afro, <laughs> the big brown afro. Oh, he's, oh yeah, dude. I don't know the name, but I've, I yeah, I know who you're talking. It's about. always like painting trees, and then he they show the guy who asked the question in the audience, and he's like, "Does that answer your question?" He's like, "If I say yes, can I sit down now? My legs are numb." <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, if you're looking for a, a five or six minute laugh, check that out. That was that was pretty good last night. That's classic, dude. I will. I'll look at that, man. Cool. Uh, that's funny. Well, hey. uh not not a ton going on for me this week. Last week was obviously a, a pretty busy week. I fished the U.S. Open uh, over at Lake Mead, and it's a, it's we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast before. It's a tournament that you know I, I try to never miss just because it's uh, it's such a special event on such a special lake. And this year was just another classic, brutal but fun 
uh, U.S. Open. So uh, the, for for me, it started in a very interesting way, and I've been saving. I wanted, I've been wanting to tell you guys this all week, but I saved it for the podcast. So let me preface this a little bit. Uh, I've got a buddy named Jeff that was uh, fishing Alamo not too long ago, and um, on his way to Alamo. There's, you, you know, uh, that last road you drive in, there's a bunch of cattle. So he said he's driving in and a cow, it was like off to the side of the road and basically ended up like charging his truck and boat as he was driving by. Oh my goodness. With his truck and boat. And uh, he's an insurance guy. So like he knew what to do and how to handle it and all that, but. Light it on fire and hurt. walk away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah exactly so he he knew what to do but he ended up not getting hurt but like it did some damage dude to everything he had and this cow this, this idiotic cow like charged his vehicle well dude so, the cow's anyways, like the worst thing to hit they're just seriously huge it's probably worse than an elk i don't know dude it's it's they're just like hitting a wall right if you 1200 hit it pounds probably right i mean a cow is not a lightweight yeah yeah so, okay, so flash forward a week. He's telling me this story, and I'm like, damn, dude, that's crazy. So flash forward a week, I get up at – I'm going I'm to start pre-fishing for the open on whatever, last Wednesday morning. But it's like a five-hour drive from my house to get to one of the boat ramps. So I say, I'll just get up super early, make that drive, and get most of a full day in before I actually have to spend a night up there. So that's what I do. I get up at 2 o'clock, drive all the way there. Or drive most of the way there. I'm like, eh, two hours, two hours short. It's still dark. And I come out of this little town called Wikiup. And I'm like accelerating from like 30 to whatever the speed limit is, 70, dude. And so I'm accelerating and I'm up to like 60. And I'm coming around a little bit of a corner. And like, it's it's a little early. I'm a little groggy. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with it. I'm not like falling asleep at at the wheel dude in the middle of the road in the right in the middle stands a cow oh my goodness and <laughs> i didn't have time to slow down <clears throat> like it was right there so like i just barely turned and the cow must have made some type of little move and i just i like braced myself and screamed dude <laughs> and uh, just like the softest thunk, and then <sighs> i just keep going and i look back in the rearview mirror and its head had just kind of, I know the viewers can't see, but or the listeners can't see, but its head had just gone like this. Oh. <laughs> you probably kissed him with your mirror, like a little uh, like backhanded slap. Well, so I was like, oh my gosh. So I pull over, dude, uh, to see what kind of damage had been done. And just the smallest little like fist-sized dent above the headlight on oh my goodness. the front of the truck. Didn't even get in it. It literally had like slobber. Like there was like like cow <laughs> slobber, dude. On the because uh, I hit him right in the face, dude. <laughs> oh, just a little love tap right up in the grill, just oh, like a nose punch. I think, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it hurt, but I think that cow was fine, dude. And my truck was more or less fine, and I was fine. I couldn't believe it. I was from that point on, dude. I was wide awake. Go ahead, Rob. Dude, that is the gnarliest highway in Arizona. Like, it like really it's, is. Oh, it's so dead. It's better now because they've got it. And there's a lot of it's two lane now. But and you're giving Wiki up a little bit too much credit. Like if you blink half a blink, you miss it, right? Yeah. yeah like I don't but, know how they so, get anyone to work at those stores there, dude. Do people live there? 
I don't know. So like I think it was in like 1985. It was in the mid to late 80s. Uh, John Murray rolled his rig on that road. No kidding, oh. dude. Yeah, he. I believe he was going to the U.S. Open too. It was a long, long time ago, and it was he had a little Ranger, a single axle trailer, and I guess it uh, started wagging and it flipped his truck Whoa. over. Whoa! Uh, he was going ninety. Probably. Probably. Uh, well, so it's it's ninety three, right? That's yeah, highway ninety three. Yep, right between, on. It's basically the highway that we have Phoenix and Vegas. Exactly. So. No, I was just yeah, looking at my map because I couldn't remember. I I couldn't remember what side of Wickenburg it was. Yeah, it's uh, the between the 40 and it's between the 40 and Wickenburg, right? Yeah. What drives yeah. me nuts about drive of that drive is there's no cell phone service, man. So like it's a it's a, you it's a fairly long Instagram. drive, but you're just in and out. Yeah, exactly. You just can't, you know, on a long drive, you can't talk to anyone, dude. You can't call your buddy up on the phone. You're just you gotta listen to podcasts, man. <laughs> and there aren't very many good ones out there. I'll tell you no, what, there's only like this one. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in high school in Wyoming, uh, we were you know small town living, so I played basketball. Where like if you had a pulse, you'd make the team, and uh, you had to travel. Like we would play all the other towns, but it was like a six-hour bus ride to get Whoa. to the longest one. And I remember we were coming back and like, it was like school days and we would drive all night and get home at like one, 2 AM. And then like, that was just it. And I remember we had all fallen asleep. It was 1231 o'clock in the morning and we wake up to the bus, like slamming on the brakes and we're getting tossed out of the, you know, the, the, the booths that you sit in. We're all landing in the aisle <laughs> and same thing, man. We came to a screeching halt and barely tapped a horse just barely just like your little nose punch <laughs> to the cow like dude we would have the bus driver would have been toast like going 70 and then just locking it up on a horse but it like didn't die or anything just got like a little love tap walked off and then from that point forward we were all awake that's a i bet you felt like you're gonna win the tournament after that lucky oh, gift. i was wound up dude <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, I was wound up. You know, it's funny, too. It's like I had actually just been listening to uh, – right before that happened, dude, I had been listening to a podcast, right? And I was pretty mellow and laid back. And I was like, let's turn some music on. So I turned some music on, dude. And uh, I think it was like a Slipknot song. And I was like, all right, let's go. Let's wake up. And I was like accelerating, like ready to go catch fish. I'm all, I'm all wound up. And then not 30 seconds later, dude, this cow – incident happened so like i went ahead and turned the music back down i didn't need it after that <laughs> you switched to smooth jazz you were good <laughs> that was better yeah yeah it was very appropriate that that was playing when the when that happened but anyways it got really lucky dude that was just it you know uh maybe if i was 30 seconds later and that cow had walked 30 more feet into that road into my lane it oh. would have been a different story you so, would have got airbag love man oh for sure your money maker would have got damaged <laughs> I might not have been fishing the derby. So <laughs> anyways, uh, didn't have a great practice. You know, I, I practiced for basically four days and, um, I, yeah, I spent two days, the first two days fishing what I thought were the, was the best chance to catch big fish and win the tournament. And, uh, it, it looked healthy. It looked good, but I just, the bites didn't really come to where I felt super confident. Spent the last two days in some clear water and actually kind of the same thing, caught more fish, but I never even laid, uh, never even uh, touched a two plus pounder during all of practice, which again, for me, that's not uncommon, but you're going to need a couple over two pounds if you're going to have a chance to win. So I went in 
kind of thinking, well, maybe I shook a lot of fish off and, and saw a couple bigger ones with my eyes, just physically saw them swimming in the clear water. And, and a lot of times that's great. Um, I did have one spot too where uh, I threw down in a grass bed with a little swim bait and I catch a little dink. Like there's so many dinks in there. They're literally, you know, you could easily catch 50 fish under 12 inches easily in a day like we we did every single day but anyways i'm reeling one of these dinks in and out from the same grass patch comes a big one and uh, it was hilarious man this big one right at the side of the boat eats the swim bait off of the other fish's face oh yeah it was perfect in practice i was like all right perfect i know he's there yep (laughs) that's good but it was gnarly to see him come up and like uh that's like the sign of a starving fish he eats a swim bait off of another fish's face have What's you ever the, caught two fish on, sorry, Rob, two fish on one, like, crankbait or something? A few times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. have you, Rob? Yeah, a few times. Um, do you ever remember the little resin topwater bait you'd tie in your line in front? Yeah, yep, in, what the heck, a hitchhiker? Maybe. Oh, that, I, that's not a hitchhiker, what is no. it, what's it called, a front runner? Front runner, front yeah. runner, right? Yeah. Yep. Always catch two on that deal, that was pretty cool. Did you throw that at meat a lot? when you're Not at meat, because it's just not that efficient to throw, you know? So, but I would throw it at Roosevelt a lot, like in post-spawn when they were just schooled up. Yeah, you'd wreck them with it. It was fun. That's cool. I need man. to break that out again. So Seriously, yeah, Scooter actually <laughs> likes that thing, man. Really? He'll throw it fairly often, yeah. Yeah. How about you, Nick? Have you ever caught two at once? Yeah, well, just the same thing. I remember at Lake Powell, one store specifically, was it was one of the really bad cycles at Powell where there was like no food and everything was emaciated and just, you know, Powell has all those smallmouth that are under four and a half inches. And I remember randomly, we caught two pretty good sized walleye on a crankbait. <laughs> two walleye, that's interesting. Yeah, random as hell, but same thing, right? When you're starving that bad, you'll do anything to just go, even if it means it's got a hook in it, you take that chance. Yeah. Go ahead, Rob. Josh, what's the what's the smallmouth um, factor at Mead right now? I mean, did you catch any? Did you weigh any in? Was oh, it? Oh a- yeah, it's it's huge. It depends on the area you fish. Of course, the dirtier water is going to be more more largemouth. But dude, if you get in that clear water, I would I would bet seventy five percent smallmouth. It's wow. it's a there's a huge population of smallmouth and and you know it once you get back into the pockets where there's a lot of grass and stuff, it kind of We'll swing back to more largemouth, but man, there are, if you just pull up on a rocky point and you get a bite, nine out of 10 times, it's a smallmouth. And are they, are, are they the little ones that you're talking about? Both. You know, there's both. a, there's okay. a million, you could pull up to the worst spot on the lake and catch those little smallmouth. They're just yeah. literally everywhere. They're literally everywhere. Um, but there are still a lot of little largemouth. The time I spent in the Overton arm, I caught tons of 10 inch largemouth as well man so it's kind of interesting we talk about all the time and i said it over and over last week but you're like i can't wait to come back in three years this place is going to be awesome but hey we were saying that 10 years ago 15 years ago and nothing's changed that it just is what it is man there's too many stripers there's too many small fish and i mean there's we saw there's a good amount of bait right now but when it comes to going around to feed that many predators it's it's not enough go ahead are there are there gizzards in mead huge ones dude like and i was thinking i'm no biologist i'm no expert again but um they're they're so big that i don't think they stay the bass can't really get on them while they're an edible size because the the the, there aren't enough of those four five six pound bass so they just 
dude, the gizzards are the gizzards are all 18 inches long. It's amazing how big they are. It's too bad that the stripers don't get big and take take them out because it seems like again non biologists here, but at Pleasant, weirdly enough, it seems like the gizzards maybe have had a hand. I mean, the largemouth fishing hasn't been better sure. at Pleasant in a long I, I time. Agree, Giant stripers, so it's just funny. Like you would think that you know there'd be some kind of similarities there, but it doesn't sound the same at all. Yeah, it's 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 a good point you make there. I don't know what the what the exact differences are. It's the same water. It's you know, right. one thing Pleasant does have going for it is is they fill the lake up every spring. Big so that, fluctuations. So they can have they can spawn with a lot of cover in the water. And mead is kind of just stuck at whatever the level it's at. Of the moon. Yep. So I mean, it's uh they don't have quite the amount of cover, especially you know during the spawn. When they spawn at Pleasant, lake's a hundred percent. It's 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 mm-hmm. kind of a different lake than it is when it's low. But I don't know, man. It'd be It'd be interesting to, to talk to someone who actually knew what they were talking about and say, hey, what's the difference? Why, you know, why is mead just stuck the way it is? And, mm-hmm. and again, it's still an awesome, cool lake. It's just the fish just, especially this time of year, I mean, they just don't get huge. So, like, that was my practice. I felt pretty confident I was going to be able to catch a limit every day. But um, I was hoping that, hey, you know, if I just get around some of these areas where I'm catching keepers and I catch enough, some big ones will show up. And I started the morning with a small limit, and uh, I mean, just bar- all barely keepers, skinny 13 and a half, 14 inch keepers. So I went and spent five hours up again, kind of rolling the dice where I thought I could catch some big fish, never caught one. So at that point, I was, I, I had weighed just under six pounds. I was like just barely above mid pack. And um, with what I had seen, where I thought I had a chance to win fished there for five hours i said screw it i'm just gonna kind of put my head down and, and make this a solid tournament or try to make it a solid tournament anyways and um next day things went much better um i didn't catch like an 11 or 12 pound bag but i had just under nine which i mean bumped me up from whatever 90th up to 24th and uh it was kind of interesting how quickly you can get healthy out there too like you know i, I we had a couple good bites early and uh, I think we had four keepers in the boat like midday and we roll around this little point and I, I look down and on live scope, I see a nice pa- grass patch down deep. So I drop in it and catch a good large mouth and that's a limit. And then um, my co-angler, we, we, we drift like another 20 feet and go around this point and my co-angler hooks up straight up and down it's shared weight so um he's reeling this thing in and it's another one pushing two pounds and it's got another it's it's a large mouth and it's got a big small mouth with it and i say big it's two pound small mouth with it so dude before i net his fish i sling my my bait down net his fish pick up on mine and the fish is on and catch it so oh, that's awesome in five minutes we caught our best three fish on a very inconspicuous spot it was it's just interesting how it works out there the randomness sometimes like you've always got to be ready out there because like that happens and, and you, you, you get in the, in the line mm-hmm. and weigh in and stuff. And, and you talk to guys that that had a good day. And, uh, it's a lot of times it's something crazy like that, that happened, you know, I mean, just right place at right time. And, and you've got to be there for it. How um, many guys, how many guys n- don't make that cast net that fish and don't catch that fish? I mean, that's pretty cool that you were able to, make that little presentation before you netted his fish, you know, well, that's thanks, cool. Man. I mean, I, I think a lot would have the presence of mind to do it, but of, of, of course, you know, Hey, like there's the, the, the 
state of mind too. It's like, hey, we got to worry about this one first. But yeah, because a mean, two pounder one, is gold. It is. You don't want to lose the one because you're trying to catch another one. But dude, when you see a bass on that lake, you can catch it. Like that's it's it's really weird. Like it's such a tough lake to fish, but the whole trouble is putting your bait in front of a fish. Like right. if you put a bait in front of them, they usually bite. So um, it, it, like we had two sitting right there. It was it was pretty lucky. So Perfect. is there just that is that randomness just because there's so much structure you think, or is there some like pelagic nature to them too, where they're roaming a bunch? I think that's a lot of what it is, Nick, is the pelagic nature. You know, they have to wolf pack and swim around to get to that forage, man, to get to that bait. And um, and it, part of it too is the fact that like if you were to go fish like offshore out there, you know, when you're talking about so much structure, like if you look at that lake and you say, I want to go out there and throw a football jig or a drop shot on offshore reefs and points, you could do it for years and years and years and years and fish all amazing looking structure and never fish the same thing twice. Like there is so much rock. And, and so that's part of the challenge is there's no way that there could be fish on all that at all, at all times. So like there are some places that I like uh, out there that are like maybe that type of offshore stuff but the fish are only on them once every 10 times you hit them it's really interesting so again there's a lot of different ways you can do it you can go out there and wait or you know it's easier for me just mentally to just check it like hey you're driving by fish it for five minutes if they're there great if not just keep moving because you know they're probably not going to be there it's just but but there just aren't there aren't there's not a fish for every piece of structure out there yeah a keeper that's for sure but it's it, it's really weird man um so then uh, the third day was was kind of more of the same. I fished a lot like I did the second day, and um, it was just a, a, a fairly solid day in the water. I ended up with a little over seven pounds, so I moved up to 17th. So that's that's where uh, I ended up. I didn't. I told Rob I was a little bit. I mean, I, I was happy with it because 17th out of 240 or 242 or whatever is, is definitely a solid tournament. Uh, made a check, and I was thankful for it. Had a good week. No no major issues, but the real the real, uh, yep. Um, the real bummer was I just felt like I didn't give myself a great chance to win. Like doing what I was doing, uh, I was never around those. I was never around those ten to twelve pound bags. So it's what it's, it's all good. And did you, and you trace that back to that day one? You made a comment where it was just like you decided to just put your head down and and grind it out. That was that kind of like the turning point. You think where like it yeah. was just time to go catch a limit and save day one. Or like improve whatever. Yeah, you well, yeah, doing. for sure. I mean, it's uh, th- I felt like I gave myself a chance in practice in the first day of the tournament, and um, ultimately I just didn't have the guts to stick it out. And uh, you know, you fish up there for five hours without a bite, and there's boats everywhere, and you know, in these areas where you really gamble on that lake, like I was talking about it with Rob, like the tournament gets one up there, but for Definitely every guy lost. that does that well, there's 20 guys that weigh in two fish or less that day up there you know so it's it takes real guts to do it and um you know maybe next year i'll have the uh, guts to sit there and, and be willing to crash and burn but yeah yeah I, uh, I was like man i just don't feel like taking 150th place this week <laughs> yeah you made your you made your money back plus a little bit and i mean it's real easy to lose four grand in that tournament so <laughs> i mean yeah, it cost, for sure it costs a lot to fish it so it does it, it does did the weather cooperate or did you have any big windy days? 
Yeah, thank you. You know, it, it was supposed to really blow, and that was like leading up to the tournament. That's something you really look at. We've talked about all the rough water stories on Lake Mead, and uh, it was supposed to blow big time, and it just never did, man. It, You know, every day the forecast got a little better, a little better, and ultimately it was so calm. It was almost too calm. It was so calm that I had a spinnerbait and crankbait on the deck, an A-rig, and never, never made true. a cast with them. <laughs> never even bothered dude you know because yeah. by the time you get to your first spot after all those boats launch the sun's already up over the hill so you don't get the low light and then uh if you don't get a lick of wind there's no sense in throwing a reaction so it was yeah. great because we didn't beat ourselves up it was like the, probably the last big tournament i'll use my boat for this year and i was like it'd be great to not have to fix up a bunch of stuff yep. you know yeah. after this one last tournament you know after i'd already been through the great lakes so um you know yeah it was it was good for that Go ahead, Rob. What type of uh, presentations did you make? I mean, were you drop shotting mostly? Were you, what were you doing? I did end up drop shotting probably 90% of the fish, man. Yeah. You know, I used a flat worm a lot. Um, it, I, I, I pretty much mixed in just different baits on the drop shot, man. And uh, I caught a few on a little swim bait, uh, caught a few, trying to think of what else I did. I caught a few on a jig randomly, but the drop shot was just the deal. And um, I just love how efficient and fast you can fish a drop shot even compared to a jig because you cast it out and on that lake again in the clear water most of the time the fish grab it like on the fall so like i caught some fish where i was like going from pocket to pocket and i'm just flying down a bank i've got the trolling motor on 80 and you know we're going three and a half miles an hour and i'm just casting the drop shot out letting it hit the bottom reel it in do it again and uh you know caught fish doing that um, it's just, they, they love a drop shot out there and they see it. The water's so clear. They see this thing falling from 20 feet away and they just swim over and eat it. You know, whereas if you're crawling a jig on the bottom real slow, that those fish may not see that, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, kind of interesting, but then that's not to say the jig was not a big player. I'm sure plenty of guys caught plenty of fish on jigs, but that's just the approach I took. Did you catch any topwater fish? No, man. It, uh, I, I kept, I caught some small ones on top water, you know, especially uh, in practice had my hooks rolled, but the top water bite was, was weak overall. You know, I know a guy's caught, guys caught a few, but it's one of those things that's funny on paper should have been amazing top water. You had 72, 73 degree water temp bait in the back of the creeks and coves calm (laughs) yeah calm the the water's crystal clear fish are looking up but i really do think the pressure the fishing pressure had a huge effect on the top water bite man a huge effect so uh i I, once the tournament started again i just kind of i kept it on the deck and would use it in certain scenarios hoping to get one big fish a day on it but never happened um just the old drop shot Uh, old drop shot yeah yeah, but uh, anyways, uh, congrats to all the guys that did well. It was great to see. I know a bunch of podcast listeners uh, I saw there. So uh, great great to see you all, and uh, can't wait for next year. Hopefully I can drag these two uh, knuckleheads out there next year, man. Rob will hopefully be done with his house, and uh, maybe it'll fall on uh, fall break again, Nick, and, and you can come, dude. Yeah, you fingers crossed. I would love to fish that. I've only fished meat a couple times and um, i'm pretty deadly out there so yeah he is. <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey let's uh let's move on from that guys we've got uh, a, a couple listener feedbacks and then a couple q a's i wanted to touch on uh real quick we talked about patrick waugh in the last podcast uh-huh. you guys remember our little hockey chat in the last patrick podcast? roy right yeah yeah exactly patrick roy patrick waugh um we had a listener write in sean fishback and he said he goes, he said something like, Hey, I love that era of hockey. Make, you should go check out what Patrick Waugh's son recently did. 
So I did. I Googled him, and his son was playing in, like, a minor league hockey game. Of course, he's a goalie as well. And uh, he skated across the ice. And, and basically, the other goalie wanted nothing to do with him. He did not want to fight him. But he skates from his crease and his goal all the way down to the <clears> other goal and basically just says, I don't care if you don't want to fight me. We're fighting. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like, rips this guy's helmet off, dude, and starts throwing punches. And he throws, like, five punches, knocks the guy to the ice. And the refs are trying to pull up, like, trying to break it up. And uh, the guy's, like, just covering himself like a turtle. And he keeps throwing haymakers, dude. Lands, like, 15 more punches. Wow. <laughs> and uh, ends up getting suspended for seven games, which is a pretty light suspension. Think It's a heavy suspension, but for what he did, pretty light, since the other guy didn't want to fight. And ultimately ends up saying that his dad told him to do it, of course. So, uh <laughs> Hilarious, dude. Hilarious. That's amazing. That kind of reminds me of the strategy I used when I was dating my wife. I didn't have to physically abuse her, but I continued with that level. She wanted nothing to do with it. And I metaphorically skated across the entire rink and was relentless. So I'm not as violent as Patrick Waugh Jr., but I can appreciate the uh, the drive. I love your persistence, Nick. Heck right. yeah, dude. Look at you now, man. Yeah, look That's at this. Awesome. Look at this wonderful whack. <laughs> That, that's pretty funny. Uh, another shout out to uh, our buddy Justin Welch. He is running the Chandler Bass Club, and I know this is more local base, but uh, told him I'd give him a shout out because he did a great job. Yeah. You know, club fishing in our state and across the country is is a dying breed, man. It's a dying thing, unfortunately, and it's sad to see some of these clubs that used to really get great draws and, and you know, there's hardly any bass clubs left. Well, he had like 26 boats at the last. Uh, Chandler Bass Club. That's great. Phenomenal. Uh, he's done a great job with that. We've got some other buddies in the club. So if you live in Arizona and you want to get started in tournament fishing or just just join a club and have some fun, fish competitively, uh, and, and you know have some fun talking smack doing it, man, look those guys up. It's ChandlerBassClub.com. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, my take on bass clubs is, I mean, it's such so unfortunate that it's a dying breed because that's what a great way to start. It's inexpensive. It's fun. I mean, that's where I met Larry Hardy. I, you probably met him Me there too. too, right? Oh, yeah, dude. He was in the back of the room in the meetings, piping up, talking yes. back to everyone. I'm like, who is this guy, dude? It was, he was the best. He was yes. the best. But, I mean, it just, I mean, you throw 50 bucks in and go fish. I don't know what Chandler's Chandler Bass Club's entries are, but they're always reasonable. It's always fun. Guys are willing to help you. Um, it's a great way to go from a very basic fisherman to a solid tournament guy learning. I mean, you go fish a club when you're young for a couple of years and look at the difference from when you started to two years later on what you know about fishing. And it will blow your mind what you can learn. So pretty cool. Good point, man. That's a, that's just one of those great entry level steps. And Josh had tutored me too about fishing as a co-angler, but that those two strategies right there alone, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just how it's done. For sure. 100%. It forces you to fish a different lake every month, too, right? Like most clubs Absolutely. have one tournament a month, and they're all on different lakes. So uh, it, it definitely, like you said, instead of going to the same lake every weekend and throwing the same bait, it does. It forces you to learn. The cost of entry isn't much. You, you meet some other guys. And, again, it's fun, too, man. You, you know, you, uh, just all the little club functions, a lot of times you end up barbecuing after after the tournament day. And, you know, the Christmas party. All, all the little yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so check those guys out if you are looking to maybe try that. Um, 
got a couple Q and A's here. Here's a, here's a good one. I thought this was an interesting topic. It comes from Kingston Bartley. Um, how often does a bass pick up your bait and let it go before you feel it? Depends on who you are. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true, man. Very true. Hilarious. It's, it's obviously we don't have the perfect answer for this, but like, I've got a couple interesting stories from experiences and I, I'm sure you guys probably do too, but like, it's, it's really interesting to, to watch like when you're fishing in a, in a demo tank or something like that, how many fish will inhale your bait as you pull it through the the tank. But dude, we used to on Lake Pleasant when we were in the wintertime bite and I was doing a lot of guiding, it was the lightest bite ever, especially when you're fishing really deep. Right. And I would a lot of times, like when I'm trying to demo how to how to fish this drop shot rig or whatever, I'll make a cast or two for the clients. And uh, I remember one time specifically, I cast this thing out and I'm dragging it along. And I remember I don't feel a thing. Like I I don't feel anything. But I'm like, okay, so you're gonna drag inch it along, and then when you get a bite, this is how you're gonna set the hook. And I do the little fake hook set to show them. I, there's a fish on. I caught it. And yeah. it could have been a one in a million, but it just like it was like whoa. I had no idea there was a fish on. I'm not saying that you should go around setting the hook aimlessly, uh, but but <laughs> it was really interesting how that fish ate it so softly. That kind of jogs my memory. I have a somewhere I'm sure a VHS tape from like the 80s, and that was their suggestion was anytime you suspect the hintest pressure always set the hook, and then they had like a statistic behind it that was like 40% of the time it works every time. But, nice. <laughs> they actually put a number on it. You know, chewing red man and wearing, you know, some like sweet rustler jeans or something. I don't know, but that's uh, that's pretty funny. I, I, I always love if you ever want to trigger the Karens of the internet, have somebody hold up like lipping a bass with a bunch of blood coming out of its gills, and instantly the first comment will be like, "You didn't set the hook fast enough. Like, what are you doing? Feel that bite sooner." <laughs> Do you see that? Like, that's a oh, classic. Oh, dude, yeah, people are gonna session. pipe up like that. Yeah. Because a fish can't ever inhale it just in the first try. Exactly. Uh, that's funny, dude. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And um, I don't know. It probably happens a lot. You know, the best things you can do are, like Rob said, you know, it depends on who you are. But, hey, pay attention to what your bait's doing down there. Um, you sent. You know, you sent because, again, I think they're going to hold on to it a little bit longer. And I'm not talking about, like, eating it, but they'll just <laughs> keep it in their mouth longer. I'm a firm believer. We talked about it with Greg last week, but I'm a firm believer in that. I did it at Mead again last week using power bait. Um, scent helps a lot. And, uh, again, just kind of using uh, using good equipment, man, using using good good rods and reels and keeping, keeping any slack out of your line if possible and, and just feeling for that bite. Any other tips, Rob, or am I missing anything, dude? I mean, I think from guiding, I've seen a huge change in in using braid on a spinning rod. Excuse me. Using braid with a fluorocarbon leader. I mean, people can feel stuff a lot better um, with that. Um, But you just see it all the time, especially guiding. You see folks that just don't feel it. But it's not their – it's because they're not used to fishing, right? And they don't know the feel of the bottom compared to a bite. That's usually the biggest issue, right? Um, and I mean, when you're using finesse techniques, fish just bite it light. I mean, there's just right. no, no question about it. Um, do I believe fish bite it? And, and you, even, you know, someone like you that fishes for a living, 
I think you get bites that you don't know happen. I mean, I don't think it's very often, but I think it happens. You know what I mean? I just don't yeah. think it's a, uh, and it obviously depends on the type of, but think about a Carolina rig. Like how many fish come up on that thing and eat it and swim towards it? You never know what's in their mouth. Seriously. Mm-hmm. The good thing about Seriously. a Carolina rig, the good and the bad about a Carolina rig is they usually don't let it go. They, they hold just on keep to swallowing thing. it. <laughs> right. So then you're, yeah, you got the bloody picture on the And then Facebook, the Karens so. come out with their pitchforks. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's just, I don't know. It, it, that's a question we're never going to know the perfect answer to, unfortunately. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, like a lot of times your instincts are, your instincts are tough. You can't beat your instincts, right? So like if you're throwing a bait, like a crankbait <clears throat> or a chatterbait, and this has happened, this happens a lot where you, you, you get in touch with what that bait feels like in your hand, right? And you're fishing along, fishing along, and sometimes you'll make a cast and something weird happens. Like you just, you just feel like, tick, like something really, really quick. And it's just like, whoa, I don't know what happened. I thought that might have been a fish. It wasn't an obvious bite. Your rod didn't load up, but it just felt weird. Nine times out of ten, that's a bass that took a nip yep. at your bait. And, and like anytime you, anytime something weird happens with your bait like that, you've got to throw back in a few times. And, and a lot of times, even pick up another bait, like pick up a jig or a drop shot and cast it through that area because uh, if if you're if you felt something weird something weird happened you know it's usually a fish you usually hit a fish like it, if it felt a little sharper than the other rocks that you felt hit you know it's it's probably a fish you guys ever notice that where you're like I don't know what that was but you throw back in there and sure enough it's a oh yeah a fish yeah yeah they just didn't catch up to it quick enough or who knows what they did right totally um, and speaking of a chatterbait that's the weirdest bite ever in my opinion like for a bait that's moving and like they just it's you would think they would hit it like a spinnerbait right where they just thump it and a lot of times it's just heavy pressure on there so do you agree with that yeah they hit it coming like it's like they hit it coming from the side you know and you just lose the vibration and your line just kind of semi-limp all the maybe not even limp but it's just like yeah you're right i guess it just swims to the side it's a fun bite and it's it is a fun bite it's just a strange it's a strange initial attack you know what i mean compared to like a spinnerbait or a you know other moving baits so Mm -hmm. if you watch brett the master uh brett height when he's you know setting the hook with that thing it's really weird because um he doesn't just jack him like he's throwing a jig or a spinnerbait or something like that he doesn't just pull into him he he uses that really that rod with a really soft tip and then a lot of backbone and he gives them so that gives them time to get it and turn their head and then he really pulls into him, but he uh, he doesn't. If you set the hook too hard with like a chatterbait at the first impact, a lot of times that blade will pop their mouth open, yeah. and uh, then you don't hook them. So that's it's a challenging bait, man. You get a lot of skin hooked fish with a <clears throat> with a vibrating jig, man. You really do. Um, okay, well that was a cool question, Kingston. Appreciate you listening, and uh, thanks for sending that in, man. Do you hear that airplane? It sounds like it's gonna bomb my house. <laughs> it's actually the you spaceship that, that I'm flying in right now, man. Right, there you go. Ground approach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was aggressive, man. I th- did you buy a, your new house? Is at the end of Mesa Airstrip or something? Is We're that at going the end of Field? They turn around right <laughs> yeah. here. Nice. Pretty, no, it's not that bad. It's a little busier on the weekends, but whatever. I don't even hear it. So. Falcon Field's cool though to go off on a tiny short side tangent. Dude, they fly a bunch of those like World War II airplanes in the wintertime. Have you ever seen that? They fly like B-18s yes. and stuff. Yep. It's cool. You That's can actually cool. ride in one of those. We should, no, we should I'm not doing that. Tap jar. 
not ha- that's not happening here. Nick <laughs> so was talking. Hey, Rob. Here, Nick, no. Nick said, "Hey, we've got to do a uh, which I do agree. Like we've got to do this next month. Do a uh, overnight in his uh, go fishing for like an afternoon. Spend the night in his uh, his little motor home. But I was like, hey." After hearing all the stories, I'm like, hey, how about we just tow the boat separate with one of our trucks? And he's like, no, dude, it'd be more fun, the experience. I'm sitting here thinking about my actual safety, dude. Like, I almost hit a cow last week, and and now I'm I'm a little nervous about riding in that thing up the passes up to Roosevelt, dude. It'd be fine. Rolling in the majestic. It's just a majestic life. What can I say? Dude, it was struggling getting up the hills without a boat attached, man. You stick five hundred or five thousand pounds behind that thing. I don't know, man. It's a feather back there. The majestic, <laughs> majestic hates hills, whether it's fully loaded or unloaded. You just hazards go on difference. twenty-five mile an hour in second gear. Turn the tunes up. That way, you don't hear the people yelling and flipping you off as easily. You know, there put you the straw cowboy hat on, take your shirt off. It's a if you haven't done that, you're not living. Do we have to pick a date right now for that to happen? Because that sounds like fun. We Let's lock it in. Lock it in. I'll right. record Let's two episodes, the pre prior to and then after almost dying in the majestic top two episodes right there. We have to fish two days so Nick can at least fish with real tackle after the first day. <laughs> <laughs> we still haven't. How long ago was this that we Forever, did? Forever, dude. Episode but, seven. Yeah, never will <laughs> forget it, though. It the Barbie time. rod. Good call, Rob. Yeah, we do need two days because it's going to be first cast to last cast type deal for Nick that day. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, one last question, and uh, this was from uh, Presley. He has a kind of a unique scenario because he moved from Florida to Texas recently, but you know he's been fishing Florida lakes, punching grass, fishing vegetation forever, and now he lives on a highland reservoir with clear water in Texas. Uh, Canyon Lake is the actual name of the lake that he's fishing a lot. But um, and without looking at Canyon, I can kind of probably picture what it looks like. Maybe something like Lake Travis, clear water, um, different types of rock, uh, but deep water. And um, he's like, you know, how can I locate bass here compared to what I did in Florida seasonally? And obviously that's a loaded question. We could talk about that for days. You could write a whole book on that. But um you guys have any initial tips on making that adjustment from uh learning how to to learning how to fish the clear water from the dirty shallow tannic water in florida yeah he's gonna have to uh i mean electronics are gonna be a big deal i would think um excuse me he's he's used to fishing lakes that are you know four to seven foot flat bottom from one side to the other right i mean yep so I, I would think um, his deep game is going to have to, you know, get tuned up a little bit. That would be one of the one of the things I would think of. Uh, the beauty of it is, the beauty of it is it's Texas. Place is probably loaded with giant fish, and you're right. I'm sure yeah. it's pretty good fishing. So. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's a good point, man. It, it's it's definitely a lot more visual with your electronics than just visual with your eyes looking at. It's you know. There's going to be times a year, like in the spring and maybe even certain times in the fall right now, where you can beat the banks and be really successful. But uh, midsummer and through a lot of the cooler months, you know, the, there's going to be a lot of fish sitting offshore. So, um, you know, fishing points and offshore humps and ledges and stuff like that, that's going to be uh, a much bigger deal. And and you totally do that with your electronics, 100%. Yeah. Um, He'll have to put a lot more line on his rod and reels now. <laughs> no doubt. Well, I'll tell you, dude, just... 
there's there's definitely like a little adjustment too with just the tackle you use, man. You know, like you're just gonna have to uh, longer casts become a bigger deal using a little bit lighter long line, and, and you don't have to get crazy. You don't have to use five pound test or anything, but on your spinning rods, you know, using something like eight pound test is going to be a really big deal. And you know, if you're cranking, you're cranking with ten pound test instead of fifteen. Um, you know, just that thinner line, you get longer cast, your bait stays down easier. Um, but just making a few adjustments to your tackle. And I know this is easy stuff and, and you know, I'm sure Presley already knows a lot of all that, but um, you know, when, and, and when it comes to the seasonal patterns, it's interesting because like for me, <clears throat> seasonally, I'm not like, I, I don't know what the heck's going on down in Florida outside of, you know, the times of year that I've been there. Right. So like January, January through March, obviously it's all revolving around the spawn. Um, I fished one tournament down there to this May and, uh, Next year, I think I'm going to have one more in the summertime down there. But really, like, I don't understand what the heck goes on in Florida. Basically. But it makes a lot more sense, you know, what happens on a typical reservoir, because that's kind of what I grew up fishing, you know. So it's just mm-hmm. one of those things you, you'll learn over time. And, uh, you know, I, you follow, I told him following bait is a really, really big deal, right? Like, you know, f- it, no matter what time of year it is, if you're around the bait fish and you're around the forage, you're usually around the fish. You guys yeah. agree? totally yep yeah and well i mean maybe this is completely outside the realm of applicable but just even our little comment there about the channel bass club man get get plugged into your network of guys there you know guys and gals and and i'm sure the learning curve will be reduced dramatically when you kind of see the specific baits or the specific presentations and areas that's that's shortening the learning curve at a fast pace Perfect tip, dude. That's that's the best thing for sure. Make some make some buddies over there and uh, speed that learning curve up a little bit. Because I'm sure you'd have some stuff to offer them too. You know, some of the right. some of the techniques you use down there are actually going to work where uh-huh. you're moved to, and you're going to be surprised by it. I've always thought that was interesting. Like I'll learn something back east, and I'll take it back here and try it. And sometimes it's a total fail, but there have been a few times where like, hey, I'm I'm doing something that no one else is now, and uh, it works really well. So it's uh, I'm sure there's going to be some of that, man. Like, you know, some of the top water baits you use down there and, and, uh, stuff like that. Dude, I remember like, <clears throat> excuse me, I, you can tell it's allergy season in, in Arizona cause Rob and I are just like hacking into the microphone. So I'm sure everyone's been enjoying that. But I remember, uh, when that Fort Gibson tournament a million years ago, Josh, remember the biffle bug was like, that was the whole thing. And at that moment in time, and I remember catching a few fish coming back at Saguaro on a biffle bug. And not that that should not even apply. I mean, come on, it's basically like a football jig that moves back and forth. It should be a great bait. But that was a watershed moment for me to what you just said. It's like, that's yeah. cool how, you know, something that's a real staple in one part of the country gets it done somewhere where they haven't thought of or don't use it as much. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you, it, that's the type of bait where, hey, this rock kind of matches up with the type of rock I was fishing on it over there. And let's let's give this a shot. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's there's got to be a bunch of examples of that. So it's kind of cool. Um, well, anyways, I think that's all we had for Q&A. Um, man, I had one other thing I wanted to bring up and um, I'm totally spacing on it, guys. Do you have anything else you want to add before we start to wrap this thing up? I think leaving on a cliffhanger like that'll be perfect, man. Now you've got everyone's curiosity just dripping. Wow. Yeah, if I think of it, we'll start another podcast. We'll, we'll add it in a two-minute podcast. Spontaneously. Later. Episode 52 will be three minutes long. 
<laughs> that stinks. I, I can't believe it. But anyways, uh, yeah, sorry we missed last week, guys. And uh, we'll be back. We, we've got a bunch of guests. I've got – I'm playing Jordan Lee in fantasy football today. And I told him if I beat you, dude, you're coming on next week to talk about it. He says he'll come on either way. But um, I wanted tight. to beat him and then talk about this. So Hey, you know, that brings up a good point. I used to be in the fantasy football league last year. And I never got invited this year. Was it because I got second place that I just, you know, I can't catch any fish and I'm clearly dominant at fantasy football? Is that why the invite didn't come this year? What Nick, happened? There? Nick was good last year. That it's actually a different league. And I'm not blowing smoke, dude. That league is done. Like that league, uh, the uh, moderator or whatever the uh, – administrator of the league decided not to do it this year so this is this league i'm playing jordan is the mlf league so um i'm not gonna be an mlf angler to play bro you gotta you gotta start training (laughs) all right i'm on it 2021 (laughs) coming out strong heck yeah uh but i I hope you all have a great week and uh, we will chat with you next week thanks guys Thanks again for listening to the podcast, guys. Please keep the questions coming. Send them to our Instagram pages. Uh, send us an email. Send us a smoke signal. Whatever you got to do. But we love answering your questions. And um, hope you all have an awesome week. We'll talk to you next week.